fellas, are you prepared to unveil your summer bod? The beaches are opening, the sun is shining, and the bushes must be tamed. Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. They have forever changed the grooming game with their perfect package, 3.0. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0. It's a waterproof cordless body trimmer, and there's a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. Get 20% off in free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com, and use code THEATHLETIC20. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use promo code THEATHLETIC20. High in the air, Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 87 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly in 87. That's the year the Giants won the uh, National League West. Uh, is Will the Giants win the, the National League West this year, Andy? Um, well, I think they ran about 10,000 simulations, and the Giants did win about 160 times. So, you know, give yourself a Lloyd Christmas bowl haircut and uh, say that there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. I, I know. And I, I want to get into the meat of those and sort of dig in and, and figure out, is it like Mike Yastrzemski hitting 350? Is it, uh, I don't know, how does it happen? But I guess in the 60-game season, never say never. All right. But how are you doing today, Andy? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. By the time this comes out, we will be like an hour or two or three or four away from actual baseball. Played under lights uh, with TV cameras, one team against another team. We did it. We did it. Unless something possibly goes wrong. I mean, (laughs) what are the odds of that? (laughs) Well, you know, um, Canada said, no, uh, I'm not going to let a bunch of young American male uh, baseball players into our country at regular intervals to be able to stage baseball games. So you've got the Blue Jays already playing in either Florida or, or Buffalo. Um, I, I tell you what, though, I, I, I really thought that was the biggest issue because it seems like MLB is starting to really kind of formalize and get some consistency when it comes to the test results coming coming back quickly. Um, you know, having watched the workouts that the Giants have staged these last couple weeks, um, if one person, you know, is has a positive test, um, I really think that they are spacing everyone out and and being very, very cautious and very sanitized to the point where one infection wouldn't necessarily take down a whole team. Um, you know, I, I do think that they are taking as many precautions as they can. 
um, yeah, th- people are going to test positive. You know, it, it's going to be a problem all season long. And some of them may be superstars who all of a sudden are going to miss big chunks of the season. And you hope that that's all that happens and they just can't taste their, their breakfast cereal of choice in the morning for a few days and, and they're fine. But um, the biggest issue I thought was going to be if entire municipalities shut down, if 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 uh, Mayor Garcetti in Los Angeles says, yeah, Dodger Stadium is a workplace and you can't have more than 10 people in a workplace, so no games at Dodger Stadium. But I guess the mayor came out the other day and said, you know, we are close to shutting back down again with cases going up, but, you know, we're going to take a surgical approach. We're going to not necessarily have a blanket shutdown. And I think that there will be a lot of leeway carved out for MLB, given what they've been able to kind of demonstrate and accomplish these last couple of weeks. Uh, that they can keep their people safe and they can keep them testing uh, generally, you know, uh, clear, uh, clear. So, you know, it's a good, it's a good start. It's a lot better than a lot of the other uh, potential places they could be at this point with the season about to start. So, I personally am a little more optimistic than I was a week ago, two weeks ago, that they could actually get this season off the ground. But it's going to be a constant juggling act and a constant, um, you know, safeguard to to, to keep this. Uh, season going. So whether they can finish it, I don't think anyone knows. But you know what? I think they're going to start it. I think we're going to have baseball. And as someone whose livelihood depends on baseball, and as someone whose entertainment revolves around baseball, uh, I was feeling a little bit guilty I, I, with the ethical conundrum of, it, is this really the right thing for baseball to, to be starting up again? Is this ethically uh, worth it? But I'm I'm sort of I haven't done a complete 180 on this, but I'm coming around to the idea the baseball players are taking this really seriously, and they don't want to be the one. They don't want to be the typhoid Mary. They don't want to get their team sick, knock them out of contention. So everyone's taking this really seriously. I would like to think, and if they weren't playing baseball, if there were no summer camp, if there were no, if you know, everyone was just left with their own vices across all 50 states. Uh, what would they be doing? You know, would they be going out to restaurants saying, ah, forget about it? Would they be infecting more people along the way? Like ethically, maybe you could make the case that you are infecting fewer Americans, uh, fewer people around the world because everyone's taking this seriously in one place. I don't know. I'm not an epidemiologist, uh, but it's sort of like it's at least in my head where I can justify the ethical decision of baseball and perhaps it's even preferable. Yeah, and the other big ethical decision uh, uh, component, uh, and and to go along with that, yeah, you have more people maybe staying at home watching baseball, uh, oh, and okay. less, less likelihood to, to go out, right? Yeah. Uh, so that that could be a factor, um, as long as they're not going to watch baseball in bars. Uh, just stay at home, watch your baseball <laughs> at home, consume your baseball on your laptop the way God intended. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the other the other big ethical thing all along we've talked about is the testing and testing resources, and are players going to be wasting resources with these every other day tests and having labs turn them around really fast when you've got people in massive hot zones like, you know, uh, uh, third world countries like, oh, Florida, um, where you know, people are waiting weeks for tests and to the point where the results don't even matter anymore. And and MLB has explained this, and, and I, I do tend to buy into it a little bit, that they're using saliva tests that, that the general public isn't really using. They're contracting with private labs that, that, that would not be doing COVID testing otherwise, so they're not taking up space in, in these other labs um, that you know, are processing um, you know, the test for Joe Q public. So I, I do buy the fact that I think that this is being done in a responsible way that isn't hogging resources in the middle of a pandemic in a way that, that, that would otherwise be, you know, pretty selfish. One of the, the things with that is 
we've mentioned this before as well, is when Major League Baseball is making these plans to come back and they're as far back as, as March and, and April, they're, they're thinking, OK, what do we need to get back? Well, you need testing, you need reliable testing. No one could have possibly imagined that we'd be sitting here on July 20th talking about, oh, there's not enough tests. I mean, it, you know, the backlog's really, really big. What are you going to do? It's like, how is that not, what? Like, you know, baseball's not thinking in four months we're not going to have any tests. Like, that, it just didn't register. So uh, the idea that they are doing it uh, in a private lab that wouldn't necessarily be be used for testing if it weren't for baseball yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's one less ethical ethical component you have to worry about. Um, so yeah, yeah. So you know, we've we've got a baseball season that's about to start, and it's going to be different, I think, than um, you know any baseball season any of us have ever experienced. Um, you know, not not just for the aesthetics of you know empty stadiums and piped in video game sounding crowd noise. I I for one look forward to sort of the the. The rhythms of that crowd noise and like, wait, no, they they, they jeered that. Why did they jeer what there where they should have yowled or or uh, you know, uh, just listening to it. You know, the Giants having an intra squad like Jalen Davis hit a hit a long fly ball and uh, and it was caught and the crowd groaned and um, and I thought if you're the Giants pitcher on the mound, you got to be like, hey, wait a second, I'm I'm a giant standing on the mound at Oracle Park. Why is the crowd groaning that I just uh, recorded at a, a 320 foot out? Uh, that that that's not right. So um, I'm sure it'll be a little different with, um, you know, with with a different team there. And 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 but we got to hear Rennell in the booth, and she was announcing names. And uh, um, yeah, it, it's it was kind of a trip. And Steve Berman, you know, was was at the workout with me on um, Friday, and he wrote a, sort of an atmospheric piece about what you know what it's like uh, to be in the ballpark. Uh, that's empty for 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 one of these games, and and you know it wasn't intra squad. It, it was not a game that counts, and I think we're going to get a, a better flavor of it during these A's Giants uh, exhibition games. But yeah, it was it was a good piece, and I think it pretty well captured just what it was like uh, to be in the ballpark in that environment. And and then even apart from all that, you're you're going to have games that are going to be run differently. You're going to have uh, uh, different strategies. You're going to have teams that thought that this was going to be a rebuilding year, all of a sudden they're thinking, hey, if we can creatively slice and dice here and there and here and there and do things differently, maybe we can have a chance. So let, let's let's do some of these things. And I, I think it's going to be, it, it actually could be really, really interesting and really exciting uh, just because the games are going to matter times 2.7 and, and everyone's going to be out to win and everyone's going to be focused and know the importance of every game. So um, yeah, I, I think that uh, I think this could actually be a lot of fun to watch. If the Giants were to succeed, I I mean, there's a, a lot of different ways that they could have a season that's a little bit more successful than, than folks are expecting. Uh, one of the just obvious ones is is the players who didn't really hit last year. They they need to hit, you know, and they do, Brandon Belt needs to do better. Uh, Alex Dickerson needs to stay healthy. Uh, Stephen Duggar needs to do better. I mean, that, that's kind of like the boring example of how they could get better, and I'm not sure how likely that is. For my money. The more interesting way that the Giants could exceed expectations is with how they handled their pitching staff, because they do not have a lot of aces, any aces, but they have sort of a, a, a surfeit of, of interesting pitchers, uh, pitchers who perhaps belong on a 12 or 13 man pitching staff. Uh, you know, you can go down the list. I'm, I'm, I've written about Tyler Anderson. I'm a big Tyler Anderson fan. Drew Smiley is intriguing. Kevin Gossman, uh, you know, all the way down to the minor leagues in, in the upper minors where you've got guys like uh, uh, Connor Menez. They have the potential to do 
things, whether it's a seven-man rotation, tandem starters, they they can have a chance to be a little squirrely and uncomfortable for other teams, right? Yeah, Gabe Kapler says, we've got our bulk innings guys. We've got our bucket of them. We've got our bucket of sprint guys. We've got our bucket of guys that can pitch back to back. And I'm just imagining these these pitchers just hanging out in these Home Depot, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> orange buckets being like, can, can I go, please? The water level's rising. Get me out of here. Why am I in this bucket? Um, can you drill a hole in this bucket? I'd like to see what's outside. Um <laughs> But uh, no, it's it, it is, and I wrote about that uh, you know story that, that we just posted, and, and and how you know Gabe Kapler could could you could see TBA for every probable series. There's there's no reason you have to list probable starters, and there are going to be some teams that don't have a five man rotation that they can dependably throw out there, or a four man or three man rotation. When you don't, you won't be able to surmise, you know, whose turn it is to pitch because they're going to mix and match. You may have Johnny Cueto and Jeff Samarja, you know, each throw, you know, three or four innings in the same game. Uh, who knows? They could really piggyback people and, and move people around. They've got a lot of lefties. Uh, and, and so they can really, um, you know, try to take advantage of platoon matchups. And because you've got 30 men on rosters to start the season, and because you've got a universal DH, and because you've got, you're going to have a lot more teams doing a lot more platooning with their lineups. It There's more value than ever in not telling you who's going to pitch and, and waiting until the very last moment, um, you know, to to sort of go behind door number one. And, oh, nope, it's it's a lefty. We thought it was going to be a righty. Well, shoot, we've already turned in our lineup. I mean, there is, there's a lot of envelopes to be pushed with this whole opener strategy that have not been pushed yet. And the conditions are going to be there to encourage some teams like the Giants that don't have... Um, you know, the Verlanders and Coles and the people that you just know, okay, it's his turn, it's his day to pitch. You know, we know what's going to happen here. You know, the, the Giants could really sort of uh, 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 screw with decorum here and um, and get weird and, and try to turn that to their advantage. I agree. And I believe that this was kind of the plan before, in the before times, you know, like it, not to some extreme, but, but when you were assuming a 162-game season, I don't think the Giants were looking at Jeff Samarjan and saying 32 starts, 210 innings, or else you were in trouble. I, I don't think that was ever the plan. It was always going to be, well, maybe, you know, two innings from Sean Anderson or two innings from Logan Webb or just some sort of mixing and matching in the before times. And now where you've got, you know, there's no way that they're looking at Jeff Samarja to do the Jeff Samarja things, to, to pitch six innings and go through the, the lineup two or three times. That's just, it, it's a lot to ask from any third. 35-year-old, even if he's an innings eater in the past. So this is sort of taken what the Giants might have already done, and they're extrapolating from what they might have done, and it's just, it's almost like it played into the Giants' hands a little bit, because one of their strengths, I'm not sure if it's a strength, but they have a lot of pretty decent okay arms that, you know, they shouldn't be embarrassed to have on a major league roster. A lot of bad teams don't have that. A lot of bad teams are cycling through, you know, prospects who aren't ready, arms that shouldn't be on a major league roster. I don't think the Giants have that problem. They just always had to figure out how to deploy them. And this sort of strategy where I don't know who's starting lefty, righty, whoops, it's a lefty. And then the righty's coming in in two innings. I think that plays into their hands. Yeah, and they don't have guys like Cole who are going to throw 98. They don't have guys who are probably going to be very successful a third time through the lineup or maybe even a second time through the lineup. They've got a lot of deception guys. They've got guys who crossfire. They've got Andrew Triggs who crossfires. They've got um, Tyler Rogers who drags his knuckles. You know, They've got uh, um, a lot of deception guys. And if you throw a lot of deception guys and, and, and hitters only get to see them one time, 
that could be a big time way that they feel they can kind of you know narrow the or or cross the bridge with some of these teams that that they're that are going to be more talented than they are and, and, and compete. And then all of a sudden you got to stra- scratch out a few runs and hey may- maybe you win the game. Um, so you know, but the key there is that uh, you know you've got to have a, a big broad base of those guys. And, and like you said, uh, they feel like they do, and they feel that's the strength of this pitching staff. And so they want to try to deploy that staff to best take advantage of what they feel their strengths are, and that's going to mean being pretty unconventional. Now, I will disagree with you. I've always thought of uh, uh, Tyler Rogers as being a, a pretty thoughtful young player. <laughs> I don't think he's a knuckle dragger. That's uh, That seems like a personal insult. I didn't call him a mouth breather. <laughs> and, and if he was wearing a mouth breather, he'd probably be wearing a mask. No, so of that's course, we're, we're talking about deliveries, people. Deliveries. He's a knuckles scraping reliever. I knew what he meant. I think one of the things that's fascinating to me is how disinterested I am in the closer uh, conundrum. Uh, shouldn't we be talking about this? Like, I'm looking at the Fangraphs, uh, Fangraphs depth chart, and they have four pitchers next to CL. You know, you got Tony Watson, Trevor Gott, Tyler Rogers, Sam Coonrod. Uh, I, you know, that would that one would surprise me. But Watson, Gott, Rogers. Uh, I don't know. All of the above. Some of the above. I don't think there has to be a designated closer. Do you think they'll? go in that direction and eventually settle on someone a week into the season? Or is the plan always to mix and match? You know, I, I really think that this may be a season where you can convince a group of relievers, you know what, we just need you all to be nimble and we need you all to be ready and roles are thrown out the door. Guys aren't thinking, hey, if I can you know, grab the closer role by April, maybe I can get 30 saves and that's going to be worth you know this much in arbitration. And all that. I, I really feel like expectations of what they usually would be are, are, are kind of shattered. And you can get guys to buy in maybe to a hyper nimble approach more than you otherwise could. But, you know, pitchers do like to know generally when they're going to pitch. Um, they like to know generally when they're going to have to get ready. And, and the three batter rule may, may actually help in that regard because you won't have to get guys up as quickly uh, because you're not going batter to batter uh, like, you know, Lopez Romo, like we, we're used to seeing. So, uh, yeah, I, I do think it's it's going to be someone who has to get lefties and righties out, but it's probably going to boil down to matchups. And I think every game is going to be a scramble for the Giants from a pitching perspective, where you treat it like a postseason game. You don't throw all your resources at it and not worry about tomorrow, but there is probably going to be more of a, we're going to have somebody who can pitch tomorrow. So if we have to use player X today, we will. And if, if these matchups work out in the ninth to where this is our best option with who's rested, then this is who we go with. And, and, and you, know, you never feel like you have to save someone. Um, so I think they're going to be cognizant of health. I think they're going to make sure that they don't ask too much of people, especially early. But yeah, I, I don't think they're going to have any set plan because I think they're going to be ready to scramble every day. And one other thing that has sort of been intimated to me a little bit is, you know, if games become this way, if there is less courtesy between managers, if there, if if we always, you know, put out our probable starters, either to sell tickets, which is not a concern this year, um, or, or, or just so, hey, I can prepare my lineup, you can prepare your lineup, I can give my guys the heads up, I can tell Brandon Crawford, okay, let's have you sit the, the day game after the night game, as opposed to the night game after the day game, because they're going to have a lefty on the mound, you know, that's all kind of going to be out the window, 
and everyone's just going to have to be ready to go. And, and Bruce Bochy told me, he's like, you know what? That's the way it always was. You didn't have a heads up if you were going to have the, a day off the next day or, or which day in the series you're going to get off. Be ready to play 60 games at 60 games. So he kind of likes that. But, um, you know, it, it, there, there may be less uh, uh, sort of a heads up on, on who's going to pitch in a series. And, and, and the way the Giants feel about it is, look, we got a 13-person coaching staff for a reason. We're going to be ready to adjust to you. So if we don't give you the courtesy of this advanced information and you don't reciprocate, we'll take our chances with that because we feel like we will be better prepared and uh, and we'll be ready to, to shift on the fly. Let's take a quick time out to tell you about Dugout Mugs, a company that started in a college dugout. Licensed by Major League Baseball, it's your favorite team, laser engraved onto a birchwood baseball bat barrel mug. Perfect for the big game, to put on display, or to be the life of the party. It's a unique gift for a baseball fan. Go to dugoutmugs.com, the athletic, and use promo code MLB30 for 30% off your first purchase. That's dugoutmugs.com slash the athletic and code MLB30. Fill that baseball void with your very own dugout mug today. Now, you've been out at the park. Would you feel qualified if I start throwing some names at you? Can you put on your scouting cap? And can you can you say looks good, looks looks bad? Why is this guy even in the majors? I, I hate him with all of my pet. No, but like if I give you a couple of names, can you say, oh, yeah, I've seen him pitch or hit and I think uh, looks pretty good, looks solid, looks up to speed, looks a little bit behind. Not only can I put on my scouting cap, but it is a wide brim straw hat and it keeps the sun off my nose. Ooh, you don't have the zinc on your face like Mark Zuckerberg? No, I put that on too, just okay. in case. Yeah, no, me too. I'm, I'm not making fun of Mark because, my goodness, I am pasty. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's see. Uh, Tony Watson. I'm curious about Tony Watson because uh, he really fell off last year uh, in the second half. Uh, you know, I know he was battling with, with uh, some injuries and some tweaks. Uh, so have you seen Tony Watson pitch, and is he looking okay? Yes, I saw him throw a live BP, and I saw him throw in his first uh, uh, sort of game uh, scrimmage scenario. Um, you know, the, the Giants do uh, post their pitch data. It was on the big board, and then they moved oh. it to a small board. But that small board, I can see with binoculars oh, from the press nice. box. So I can tell you um, that uh, you know he was about 87 to 88 okay. um, I, through change-ups, through sliders. Uh, command was okay. Uh, had a little trouble when he was trying to get the ball inside uh, to righties. Um, but uh, overall, I thought he looked healthy. Did he have, you know, the world's greatest arm strength? No. But, um, you know, he, he said he felt like, you know, where he is in the middle of spring training. So uh, it's still touch and go. I don't think he's 100% on the team. Um, he's going to have to come out of uh, these next couple games okay. But, um, you know, is is he throwing as hard as he used to? No. But, uh uh, you know, is he going to be a contributing member of this bullpen? Yes. I will say uh, among the lefties, the guy who stood out to me is Wandy Peralta. Ooh. He's doing some crazy stuff. He's He's been throwing next to Johnny Cueto. He's doing pauses with his leg lifted mid-delivery. <laughs> he's yeah. quick pitching guys. He's throwing 95. I mean, I, I know he doesn't have the world's greatest command. He walks a lot of guys, but he is fun to watch. So that that's one that I can tell you about. I'm always about the pause and the hesitation 
and the the dipsy do and all that stuff. Watson to me though, the reason I bring him up specifically is that it's so easy to forget how good he was in 2018 and how good he was at the start of last year. You know, the strikeout numbers dipped last year, which is usually, you know, one of the bigger red flags. Uh, but in 2018, he was so good. He was just so good. And you're able to throw him out there against lefties, against righties. And that's what the Giants are looking for. And, and we talked about, you know, one of the ways the Giants could exceed expectations is if they have a glut of guys who can give you two, three innings, but just the bullpen in general. And if you can lock down, you know, we've seen it. We've seen the Giants have strong bullpens. Even when they're a bad team, it leads to uh, a lopsided record and one run games. It leads to maybe a little bit better experience than you were expecting. So it's the bullpen. I'm not saying they've got a bunch of uh, triple digit throwers back in there, but they, I don't know, they could have some potential there. I, I just wonder if you could have a game where, you know, you start uh, a lefty. Let's say you start Connor Menez because you know you're going to get some lefty matchups early on. And then you turn it over to uh, like a Gosman or a Samarja and you try to get through, you know, the, the, the back end of a lineup with Samarja or something. And, and maybe you get to a point in the game where you're winning and you throw Drew Smiley out there in the seventh and you just let him go and he pitches the last three innings. I mean, we could see any of that. Everything is on the table. And I think it's going to be on the table every day. Um, and they're going to have to, obviously, their resources will be different every day. Their pitchers will be at various levels of rest or availability every day. But I, I kind of feel like that's the way it's going to go. And and so, you know, we, I think we just need to sit back and watch the show, you know, and, and not try to predict it because it's going to be difficult to predict. I have a fantasy draft on Wednesday. Uh, I don't know how to navigate this. This is going to be weird. This is going to be, you know, you pick a starter and then all of a sudden, uh, I know no one cares about my fantasy team, but just the idea of like all throughout baseball, you, this is what's going to be going on. Teams are going to be trying to jam the square pegs into the round holes or, or to figure out that they can make a hexagonal hole and it works. And I don't know, like it, it's, it's all fascinating. Yes. There's going to be a lot of hex nuts being thrown around. I, I was actually looking, uh, looking at my team that I drafted in, um, let's see, this would be March uh, like 19th in, in the sort of before times, I guess. And I'm, I'm looking at this and, oh, my starting catcher is Buster Posey. Oh, I forgot. Whoa. I forgot about that. But we have a supplemental draft and I am going to hope to take, I hope none of my other owners are listening to this podcast. I'm hoping <laughs> that no one else will take Joey Bart because I have a feeling that after five games, he might get a wee bit of major league playing time at that position for the Giants. I think that that makes a lot of sense. And I just wrote the five players I'm most eager to see in this season. And Bart's on there because that's the guy. That's that's the one you can really point to more than Dumont, more than uh, any of the pitchers, more than Logan Webb, more than any of these guys. You can point to Bart and say, well, this is the next good Giants team. Let's let's have a little peek. Let's have a, a little trailer and he'll be up. Yeah, and I think I think we established that. I think we talked plenty about it on on Thursday. But uh, do you think it's going to be five games? I think so. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, and and maybe it would be. Well, it's. I'll tell you what. I think that he's going to be on the taxi squad after the Dodgers series, or maybe even for the Dodgers series. And and I'll tell you why. Because um, if they bring him up. Um, I believe the Giants are on the road in their second uh, series, which is, where is that? Arizona? Do you happen to have the schedule in front uh, of you? I do. It is, uh, let's see, they are LA. And then, as my bookmark 
load slowly. Uh, let's see. Four games in L.A., day off. Then they uh, come home, San Diego, Rangers. Oh, and they, there you and go. Then they're going Rockies, Dodgers, Astros on the road. That is a long road trip. Okay, so my thought, if I had to predict this, and I don't have any inside information on this apart from the fact that I think Bart's going to be on the team after you know a week into the season, um, he probably either won't go to L.A. or would be on the taxi squad. And I think he would remain on the taxi squad um, until that second game of the series against the Padres. That would be my guess. Got it, got it. That makes sense. And so for if he's not on the taxi squad, that would be what Chadwick Trump uh, would be the, the only other option for them at this point? Yeah, I mean, the fact that uh, Johnny Cueto's last exhibition, uh, or not exhibition, intra-squad, whatever you call it, the last time he was going to pitch before opening day, um, <laughs> they had him throw to Tyler Heineman, and I thought that was a pretty good hint. I mean, there, there's going to be a lot of, that we're going to misread into what the Giants are doing, because I think they're going to do things differently than we all expect, but I, I generally speaking, think it's pretty conventional wisdom that you want your opening day starter in his last tune-up to throw to the guy who's going to catch him. And um, Heineman's a switch hitter. He can bat righty against Clayton Kershaw. Um, you know, not to mean that they can't switch up and put Rob Brantley in the game later or Chadwick Trump or whatever they settle on. But, um, you know, if, if Heineman's on the team, then uh, uh, then then you figure that that he's he's probably catching Johnny on opening day. And, and then it's a matter of whether it's Trump or Brantley and either one of them might not be long for the team um, if if Joey Bart is is going to be quickly on the ascendance weird wild wacky stuff all right so can you give me can i have you back up some chatter that has been going around and i believe you're responsible for some of this chatter uh this would be the chatter of logan webb and his uh, electric stuff is the stuff still electric electric is he endangering his teammates with how electric this stuff is uh, does he have a shot at the rotation two inning relief role whatever the plan would be D- does he have a shot to make the team out of spring training Somewhere. Yes, and and he's so electric that uh, Benjamin Franklin is waving a kite in his general direction. Um, no, he has looked good, uh, and I think for me, not just the fact he's throwing you know ninety five and maintaining it, but his slider uh, looks really good. Uh, his breaking stuff has a lot of late movement, um, and you know I I do think that people maybe aren't talking about Logan Webb quite as much as as they could. Um, there are other pitching prospects around baseball that get a lot more talk that I don't think have as, as good a stuff as, as Logan Webb. He's, he's young. He's got a lot of upside. Um, you know, I, I think that they're not going to have to worry about an innings limit with him this year. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that he could be a huge factor. If the Giants are going to be a good team this year, I think Logan Webb's going to be a big part of it. I remember last year when I watched a, a game, and he had really good raw stuff. This was in, uh, I think, uh, September 1st. Uh, August 31st is when I wrote it. Uh, it's the night Reyes Moranta went down. I was like, man, this is really depressing, but at least Logan Webb had good stuff. And the question that I asked myself was, when was the last Giants rookie to come up and immediately impress you with his stuff? And it wasn't Beatty, because when Beatty came up, you know, his his fastball was below 90 miles per hour by the second inning. He was he was he wasn't the beady that that we saw last year. Uh, Connor Menez, yeah, solid stuff. You had Derek Rodriguez, okay, uh, Andrew Suarez, and like you go back and back and back, and it was like uh, Madison Bumgarner. Like that was like the last <laughs> rookie, seriously. And even then, it was like his velocity wasn't where it could be. So 
Logan Webb maybe doesn't get enough credit within Giants fandom as like some a guy you can actually point to and say, finally, he throws hard, his slider dips and dives, and that's what's supposed to happen. Hooray. You know what, uh, uh, Grant? I, Ray Black is a big guy, and you, you just you don't want to tick him off by ignoring him. You don't want to uh, do that. Well, that's He's like, I threw 102. What more do you want? I yeah. meant starting pitcher. Starting pitcher. Maybe I should have clarified that. You know, it's a good point, though. When I mean, Lincecum was was the is the obvious one, but that feels like going back too far, right? So, I mean, yeah, I, I actually got to Lincecum. I said, you know, Bumgarner, he didn't have the the stuff that that we no, got his, used his to. velo was down as a rookie. Yeah, we were all yeah. worried about it. So it probably was Tim Lincecum, and it's like yeah. you know, before like all the rookie starters, I went through them. It's like Albert Suarez, Mike Kickham, Eric Hacker, Eric Surkamp. Uh, uh, you know, the the answer now is Chris Stratton has is, is become like a late inning reliever for the Pirates. and But he didn't have that late inning reliever stuff, you know, back when he was a Giants guy. He was just another guy. Yeah, yeah. He, for a while, he had a, a pretty elite curveball spin rate. And yes. I, I think I got I got a, a few, uh, I filled a few days of spring training coverage writing about that uh, sort of in a hopeful fashion. But, you know, obviously the consistency wasn't there and they kind of let him go. For, for next to nothing to the Angels and 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 I don't I'm not surprised he ended up with the Pirates. I mean the Pirates have a knack for taking guys with with some spin rate sort of voodoo and, and turning them into something. Um, but uh, but yeah it's it's it might be Stratton. I think there were times that his stuff looked really really good, um, especially if you're gonna keep the relievers out of out of the conversation. Um, you know. Oh, and Mike Kickham, by the way, I think he's in somebody's pool, isn't he? In like the Boston Red Sox uh, player oh, pool, so good for him. I know, I've seen it. I don't, I don't remember exactly what team, but he's there. Yeah, he's he's Somewhere. he's making it back, and I've always rooted for him. Um, so we're gonna get to see baseball. Hooray! You know, by the time you listen to this, maybe you've already watched baseball under the lights. That is that is pretty darn exciting just to get to that point. Yeah, and and you know, um, I, I I'm not going to travel this year. Um, just uh, it's not really going to be. I think worth it uh to to travel for uh, given the access we're going to have won't be too different uh, than than to be at home so i'll be watching on tv along with you along with everybody else and um you know just sort of seeing what what the season becomes and and i'll tell you what if 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 the giants get off to a good start um and we can maybe save a little of this talk uh for, for later in the week right as we get to the cusp of of thursday at dodger stadium but if, if they get off to a good start and they play well, seven of the first 17 games are at Dodger Stadium. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll put this stat out there. I was going to save this, but I'll, I'll mention it now. The Giants, uh, or the Dodgers have won seven consecutive division titles. And over those seven years, um, the Giants are only 66 and 67 against the Dodgers. They play them tough every year. So if That's you play them bad. tough again this year, you know what? Hey, people could get excited, get a little excitement, get some attention. You get a little belief. Who knows? The power of the rivalry. I like it. Mm -hmm. I like it. All right. Well, this has been episode 87 of the Bags and Brisby podcast coming to you before actual baseball. We will see you on Thursday. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Tanika Smothers for producing. And thanks to you for listening. I already said that. All right. We'll see you on Thursday. Thanks. (laughs) 